Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 59 of the podcast. Today, we're back with another On the Couch episode. I know we haven't had one in a while, but I'm very excited to share this one with you. For this conversation, I'm joined by licensed professional counselor Sheena Tubbs, and we're talking all about Nova Bordelon, one of the characters from Ava DuVernay's hit series on OWN, Queen Sugar. I'm such a fan of Queen Sugar. For one, it's set in the sugarcane fields of Louisiana, which is definitely home for me as I grew up right across the street from a sugarcane field. But it's also some of the most beautifully shot work and well-written stories that I think you'll find anywhere on TV today. So I'm excited to dig into more about Nova's character and some of the concerns that might bring her to therapy. A little bit more about our guest. Sheena Tubbs is a licensed professional counselor and certified sex addiction therapist candidate in Houston, Texas. Sheena specializes in treating women with intimacy disorders, trauma, and sexually compulsive behaviors or addictions. She is also trained in some of the leading models for trauma and emotion regulation, such as EMDR and dialectical behavior therapy. When not seeing clients, Sheena can be found hosting her podcast, Love Junkie, which focuses on healing and recovery from sexual addictions and codependency, and Managing the Black Girls Heal Group, a community focused on offering tools for Black women to heal from unhealthy relationships, low self-esteem, and trauma. If you hear something you want to share with others while you're listening, be sure to share it on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Here's our conversation. So thank you so much for being with us today, Sheena. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So I am very excited about talking about your character. So who did you choose to talk about with us today? I chose to do Nova Bordelon from the show Queen Sugar. One of my favorite, favorite shows. I love everything Ava DuVernay. So -hmm. can you give us a little bit of background um, for people who may not be familiar with Queen Sugar or who don't um, watch the show? Give us a little bit of background about uh, Nova. Yeah, so just Queen Sugar, um, it's set in Louisiana, and it follows the lives of three siblings who inherit a sugar cane farm from their father, and the show follows the lives of each of the siblings and how they intertwine and align and match up with the lives that they had before and the new life they have now, and then also come to grips with the things that their father dealt with with having the farm. And Nova is the oldest of the three, and she is a journalist and a Black Lives Matter activist, a community leader, and an herbalist. And she's 
soulful. I love her. She's a great character. I think she's a very compelling character, too. Like, it feels like there are a lot of layers to her, which I'm sure we will get into. Um, So what are some of the things that you have seen Nova kind of go through on Queen Sugar or struggle with that you think might lead her into therapy? Yeah, so it's interesting. And thinking about Nova, I was able to think of two things that might bring her into therapy, even though there are probably other issues underneath those that would she would find out about or gain awareness of when she got there. So the two things that I thought that she would come for are this series of failed relationships and wanting to be able to find a partner that doesn't end um, with a lot of conflict. And then also just seeing her progression, I was thinking that maybe needing to find her voice or needing to have a safe space to find um, her voice as it changes in her activism work um, um, as it's, it's grown based on the needs of the community. Got you. Okay. So talk to me more about like the relationship piece. Like what what have you seen that you feel like would be something that would bring her into therapy related Mm -hmm. to the relationships? Yeah. So she, we've seen her have three significant relationships and in spite of great initial chemistry, they all end up ending. And we see that either from the start, they're either not good fits Or maybe they are good fits, but she finds conflicts with each of them. And you even see Nova talk about this. And she says that in all of her relationships, she's looking for the end before it even starts. And with Dubois, who was her latest love interest, uh, she talked about how she didn't see the end and it was scary to her. And sure enough, at the first sign of conflict, even though it was a legitimate one, instead of her engaging, moving closer to it, she ran and she ran really hard. Okay. So that was the most recent um, love interest, like you mentioned, but the other two relationships, what do you see um, kind of had that happen there? Yeah. So um, Nova was initially um, involved with Calman, who it was a white cop who was married. And so he just seems like as if he would be the antithesis of what she's looking for as a Black Lives Matter activist. And then also just someone who is married. And so from the beginning, there's already a wall to intimacy and there's a wall to getting, getting closer. And then the second love interest that I'm thinking of is Chantal. And I can't remember if Chantal was another journalist but, or another activist. I think he was an activist. He was an activist. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, and them clashing on, on their viewpoints and not being able to rectify it and communicate. And so I see this, this trend in Nova's relationships where there is conflict, there is tension, and instead of moving closer to see if there's a way to compromise and work through it, there's an immediate cutoff and there's an immediate exit of the relationship. Oh, okay. So that that sounds like a great conceptualization. Um, And do you think that we have seen anything from um, like the history perspective that kind of gives you some insight into like why she might be behaving this way in her relationships? Yeah. Um, Well, yes and no. So Nova strikes me as someone who has um, an avoidant attachment style, meaning that it's really difficult for her to make close relationships. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't have friends. Actually, people who are avoidants may have lots of friends, be really popular, but it's really the definition is really about how many people they intimately let into their lives um, and those that they're vulnerable with and let 
see them, quote unquote. And um, so as far as where this might have come from, we see that her, that their mother died when they were younger. And I want to say that she was old enough to, to exit because Ralph Angel talks about when their mom died, that she immediately left New Orleans. And so I, I wonder about just the nature of the relationships in the house. Um, how close were parents, how close were parents to each of them? Because typically children, when they're born, they, they, tend to be more dependent or more open to relationship. It's, it's really a learned behavior to say, okay, I can't really trust you. I'm going to do this all on myself because if I depend on anyone, then I'm going to be failed. And so we're getting little glimpses on things that happened. And, you know, I'm thinking about this. I was like, how much do I spoil of the season? <laughs> <laughs> I just have to say, it. you know, like we see in season two that there is some infidelity concerns um, in, in their parents' relationship. And so, and dad wasn't there for a while. And so how much of the abandonment or maybe the sense, the felt sense of abandonment comes into play with her saying, I'll leave you before you leave me. Yeah, I definitely was picking up on that. And I don't think we have to worry about spoilers because the season has ended. Um, (laughs) But I will issue a spoiler alert at the beginning of the episode, just in case anyone has not heard it. Um, But I do think, I think this season is when we saw, um, you know, the whole issue of infidelity, infidelity between her parents come out. And I do think that that shed a lot of light on um, the way that she shows up in relationships because it sounds like there was some modeling of like not being able to trust that went on between mom and dad. Mm-hmm. So the second issue that you mentioned um, that might bring her into therapy is related to kind of finding her voice in terms of activism. So can you say more about that? Yeah, so in her work, she she really advocates and works for the Lower Ninth, lower ninth Ward and then beyond. And she's always really prided herself on speaking the truth about injustice. And she does so directly and plainly and fearlessly. And um, just really calling things as they are and not sugarcoating them. And also, she's very, she's always been very vocal whenever people try to pathologize Black people and demonize them with racist systemic practices. And so you watch her um, kind of hit these different roadblocks in her activism work, which she takes with stride. But then she meets someone who gives her advice to exploit the racism of the people that they're fighting against. And so in doing so, it seems like to others that she's going to the other side because she has to adopt some of the language. And so as a result, you see her get a lot of backlash and a lot of resistance from people who formerly consider her a hero and, um, and had this really communal feel, feel, and then there's all this animosity. And so I would imagine that there would be a lot of grief in losing these connections with people she has considered family. Um, and also, I think in the activism world, you know, or at least what I've seen in, in her um, part is that there's a lot of polarizing views on each side. And so being able to come to therapy and have a neutral space to talk out what she might be thinking and the pros and the cons and what, how would I feel if I say this, if it's okay for me to say this, do I feel like I'm actually compromising my values uh, would be really beneficial for her. Yeah. And I also think that there may be something related to, um, 
you know, like an identity piece, right? Like if you kind of visualize and like if it's core to her identity that she identify as an activist and now it feels like people are turning against her, um, would there be maybe some identity pieces that would be a challenge for her now? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, is she actually selling out or is she still the same Nova, but it, it, it looks different in a, in a way? And is that okay for it to look differently? Yeah. And it feels like this issue kind of clashed with the first issue. So the relationship piece kind of clashed with the owning her voice piece in the ending of the relationship with her and Dubois. Mm. Could you say more about that? What do you mean? Yeah. So um, it feels like so she broke off the relationship. Right. And then he it looks like there was some time that passed and they hadn't spoken. And then he showed up at the sugarcane festival, I believe, is where he showed up. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And it looks like there was a conversation around. Um, you know, like really like he didn't see her in the way that she saw herself. Mm. And so, you know, it feels like she was really kind of honing into um, like owning her voice as an activist and not kind of wanting to be who he thought that she was like really wanting to kind of say, no, this is actually who I am. And I don't think you really see me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think that's absolutely true. And there's a lot of value. And I think that's something that's a really powerful quality that she has. But also when I think about just her consistent failed relationships, just the ability or the tendency to find a criticism in each of the relationships. And for all the relationships, there's something that's wrong with them. And correct me if if you've seen something differently, but there's something wrong with the other person and that's her way to exit the relationship. And so I'm all for owning your voice and not changing to compromise to be in a relationship if it compromises your values. I just wonder if there is any space for any more dialogue um, other than the ones that we saw on the screen because they were, they were very heated and they were very reactionary versus this is what I believe, this is what you believe. Is there any overlapping or common ground that we can work together on? Yeah, I mean, and of course, that would be the beauty of having an actual real life client, not a TV client, because you would be able to see more of that. I mean, but definitely, you know, with um, his name is Clayton, you said the police officer. Uh, Calvin. Calvin. Um, Yeah. So it feels like that relationship really was not going to go anywhere anyway, because like you said, there was always the wall to intimacy because he was already married. So, I mean, in some ways you, she kind of entered that with like knowing that it couldn't go too far because he's already committed in another relationship or at least in the other relationship. Um, And then it feels like the relationship with her and the other activists was, was kind of short lived and we didn't see very much of it. So it feels like the relationship that played out the most on screen was the one between her and Dubois and it did feel like there was a very real connection but she was afraid of it which is kind of like what you mentioned and so her way of kind of um kind of avoiding those feelings and getting too close to those feelings may have been to kind of bolt at the first sign of trouble which is what you said mm-hmm. yeah and there's also something else that I would want to explore with Nova and just in the aspect of her her and the role of sex in her relationships, you know, just watching her. And this could just be based on what, what I do. And so my ears are more perked and I I might look for it more, but I just think about when she broke up with Calvin um, the first time you saw that there was these series of 
white men that she was sleeping with and kind of this kind of conquer and discard pattern. And sometimes the, the folks that I work with, they present with something called eroticized rage where you, you look for partners to where you can kind of have this power and control um, and subconsciously or even sometimes consciously is because you're trying to not be hurt in the same way you were hurt before by someone who might remind you of them. And so I was just wondering what the, what the significance of her being with these men, especially the type of men she was with. And then also I was thinking, well, am I, if I'm overthinking that, then is it just because she broke up with someone and she was looking for a rebound? But even then it seemed problematic because she didn't seem like she was happy at the end of any of these encounters. She seemed like she was more ashamed or um, she was very irritable with them and kind of hiding from other people, hiding from ourselves. And so I would just, I would be curious about the role of sex as far as a, a coping or a self-soothing technique that's not really helping her in the way she's intending for it to, to do so. Yeah, it definitely seems like that would be something to further explore if you were actually working with somebody like her, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so is, so you're already kind of leading into my next question, which, which is um, like what kinds of strategies or techniques would you use with somebody like Nova to maybe work through some of these concerns? Mm-hmm. So with Nova, she takes a lot of um, pride in her self-reliance and confidence. And I would want to make sure that I'm validating that and making meaning with that. However, with that and seeming like it's a very tender place, we would still, I would still want to go to looking at the family of origin history and see where in her childhood that did she learn that it was safer to do things herself um, that she, it was difficult for her to commit to other people. We already talked about the abandonment, um, what role that um, her father's leaving played into that and any other family history or secrets that we don't know about yet. Um, and then learning to walk through if it is, if these techniques or these avoidance techniques are ways to protect herself from being hurt in the same way again, are there other ways to engage and communicate other than fleeing or cutting people off? And so there's that. And then also I think probably um, some role playing to get practice in that communication. Um, and also not being as reactive um, when she's feeling triggered. I, I like to talk with my clients about how if their actions are hysterical, then that means it's historical. And so hysterical meaning that if they have this exaggerated or extreme reaction to something that might not be re- on a related scale of the events, like it doesn't match in intensity, then it might be because it might be because you're reacting to something that doesn't really have anything to do with the person in front of you, but more because of a childhood or a wound from earlier. And so, um, you know, going back to Dubois, um, the where she would when they went to the show and she felt like he put her on blast and wasn't there for her. Um, she kept repeating a few times that they were supposed to be on the same team. And I think, and then she went back to Louisiana. And so I would want to spend time with her talking about when was the first time that she felt abandoned, that someone wasn't on her team, how that was painful for her. Um, How does she take steps now to make sure people don't do that to her? And are those steps actually helping her towards her goals of intimacy and connection, which I'm assuming is why she would be there in the room. And if it's not helping her, then how can we both validate that pain and hurt without pushing away other people who might be good partners and good loved ones to keep into our lives. 
That sounds awesome, Sheena. So what do you think um, would be some strategies that you would use around like the owning her voice and the identity piece related to activism? Um, For owning her voice, I think just, honestly, I think it would just be providing a listening ear for her to play out all of the different variations without feeling to need to choose. I think, I think again, in her world, she, there's a lot of absolutes, either you're with us or you're against us. And so for her to just have the opportunity just to say whatever and to be wrong and to do that self-discovery, just offering a space for her to a non-judgmental space, it would be my best technique for her because I feel like Nova, she, she's already, she's already very decisive. You know, she doesn't have the problem of what do I say? What do I do? It's just, um, if there's any guilt surrounding it, I would, I would be concerned about. And so something that you kind of touched on that I think um, likely a lot of listeners struggle with and maybe don't even know what they, that they're struggling with or don't know the terminology for it. Um, you mentioned this whole uh, um, avoidant, attachment style can you say more about that and like what that looks like in relationships or just in real life like how would somebody know that they had an avoidant attachment style yeah so attachment styles um are very on very between people based on how they grow up and the idea being that depending on what your relationship was like with your primary caregiver that's what shapes how you see the world so if I had a caregiver who was there for me who provided emotional encouragement whenever I needed it who kissed my boo-boo when I got hurt then I grow up with a mindset or a perspective that the world is safe that I can trust it that people love me that I can love myself if I grow up in a family where my caregivers are sometimes there or not there where they might shame me for my feelings where I feel like I have to do things by myself where I um am treated as a burden, then I'm going to have an attachment style that is called insecure. And within that, there's different variations. So with avoidance, um, people who are avoidant, they learn basically to avoid relationships. It's, it's, it's within the name. And so it's difficult getting close to people. It's difficult trusting others. Um, uh, the way that self-protection works is to... Um, criticize, which is um, part of what I mentioned earlier. So in all of the problems and conflicts that you have, you say, well, I can't trust this person because of what they did here. And I can't trust her because what she did there. And you're seen as a person who doesn't really have any other problems. And because of that, you can move from relationship to relationship relationship without really having to look at yourself. Um, And what's really... um, ironic about it is at the same time that someone is pushing away relationships um, in the avoidant style, there also might be this yearning for a relationship. There is this, and that's kind of what I see in Nova. She's not averse to being in a relationship. It's just, it's hard for her to be intimate and vulnerable and engage in that conflict because what if I stay there and I try to trust you and then you hurt me again and I'd rather just exit and get away from there um, before you have the chance to do so. Yeah, and it seems like maybe some of that is also playing out in the relationship between her and Charlie. Um, so we haven't talked a lot about that, and that might not necessarily bring her into therapy because she likely doesn't see a problem with the relationship she and Charlie have. Um, but it does feel like there's some of that attachment style stuff playing out in the relationship she has with her sister. 
Yeah, yeah. Going back to one of your original questions about things that happened in the past, I mean, I, I wonder about if there was any competition between her and Charlie as far as who's the most loved and who's not the most loved. And um, also the dynamics we saw with Charlie's mother being the one who she felt stole her father from the family, you know, and just all the unsaid and unresolved issues that they, they're better than they were at the beginning of the show for sure. But um, I wonder if a lot of the conversations they need to have haven't occurred yet. Right. I mean, because just kind of at the end of last season, we saw Nova have like when the mom was able to say like, actually what you've thought all along was not the truth. It does feel like there was a softening to her, like, uh, Oh my goodness, I didn't know the whole story kind of thing. So I think it will be interesting when it comes back for the new season to kind of see where she is with some of that. And if that like changes in any way, her relationship with Charlie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So For any of our listeners who may be struggling with things that are similar to the kinds of things that um, Nova is struggling with, what kinds of tips or strategies would you offer them to kind of, you know, maybe make some progress in their own relationships? Yeah. So as far as relationships, I would say to pay attention to things. If if you relate to Nova in a way of being avoidant, I would pay attention to how do you avoid or exit? Um, What are the ways that you find yourself leaving? Is it that, is it romantic relationships and you see that you're breaking up? Is it that whenever you get in a fight with someone, you just cut them off and move? Um, And that's important to find the pattern and so that you can change it. And then the second thing that I would encourage you to pay attention to are the triggers that lead you to that point. Which, which are the conflicts that cause so much pain and distress inside of you to where you're like, I don't want to deal with this person or anyone like this person ever again. Because from there, I think you'll be able to find your pain point if you already don't know what the pain point is. And then once you're able to externalize that in a way, and I think I'm starting to get into some therapist talk, but it, like when you're able to get to a place where you can say, okay, it's not really this person that's hurting me. I'm really hurt and upset about this thing that happened to me in the past. You're able to tolerate the conflict and the stress in that relationship more because you realize it's more about you than more about them. And from there, um, I would practice some communication techniques and learning how to tell people what you need versus assuming that they know, you know, people are mind readers. And just quickly to go back to Nova, we see that a lot. She gets hurt and she goes instead of telling people what she needs. Yeah, and I think that's one of the really cool things about therapy, Sheena, is this whole idea of like being able to kind of go back in time to kind of see how somebody's current behavior is really a reaction to something that may have happened like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And you just, you have no awareness of it. So talking with a good therapist who can kind of connect those dots for you really can make some huge changes in how you show up in the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think also for anyone um, going back to the relationships, I think, um, you know, with Nova, you mentioned that this earlier too, just finding her voice and finding out what works for her and what doesn't. I wonder if Nova's clear on that herself or as strong and as decisive as she is, if she actually knows what she wants in a partner, what she doesn't, which is why she'll engage in this relationship with the white married cop and why she'll engage in this relationship with this um, intellectual um, activist who has beliefs that are contrary to her. So I think if you're listening and um, you keep finding partners who don't align with you, it's, it's stopping and figuring out what are my values? 
What is it that I truly want? What are the actual deal breakers? Um, because you're not going to find someone who's perfect um, because we all have our baggage and issues. But what are the things that I know for sure would be a compromise of my value and my integrity? And then go going from there. And that being the template that you use for these relationships versus I like how this person makes me feel in the moment. Those are some really great tips. So do you have any um, like resources that you would suggest for people who want to like learn more about what you're talking about or that would help to, to really deal with more of these, like any books or podcasts or websites that you really like that you would suggest? Yeah. Uh, one The first book is a book that's actually already been recommended on um, your podcast before. And that book is called Attached by Amir Levine, I believe is his last name. And the reason why I really love that book more than any of the other books is because he really breaks down. I talked about the avoidant and then I talked to, well, I didn't talk about, but there's another um, type in this book that calls kind of this love addiction. And that's where you, um, instead of you pushing people away, it's the opposite. You run towards people who are not healthy for you and you try to cling on to them and get them to love you. But I, I love this book because it actually tells you practical steps that you can engage in to, um, to break that cycle and start new, new um, tips or new pathways. Um, I didn't get to mention earlier, but I still want to say one of the things that I think would bring Nova into therapy or one thing that she might actually um, uncover during her time is just any unresolved grief with, um, the passing of her mother and her father, which it doesn't seem like she's actually dealt with yet. And so um, I was going to recommend one of your earlier episodes about managing grief with Dr. Ajita Robinson. That was really great. And um, she talked about some tools with how to manage grief. Um, and then other tools. And this is, again, based on just my lens with what I do with relationships and people who are attracted to impossible partners and people and sexualizing your pain. Um, I, I wanted to recommend there's a um, there's a website called suddenly celibate and dot com. And there's this woman called Jace. Her name is Jace Downey, and she talks about how she would sexualize her pain and seek partners to self-soothe and how it wasn't good for her relationships and her intimacy and the steps, the steps she took to get better. And so I think having someone share their story um, and, and learning from that would be really great. And then also I have a podcast called Love Junkie, and I have an episode that talks about intimacy disorders and love avoidance and love addiction um, for folks to check out. And the last thing I would recommend is um, I also have a course called the Freedom Course, and it's, it's, it's a course that helps you look at what brings you to a place where you accept partners who might not give you the love you deserve. And um, there's different activities where you look at your family life patterns and the connections with the partners you choose. And then also replacement skills um, instead of acting out in those ways. And so that's also on my website at Sheena, the So. So you already jumped the gun on me, Sheena. So I was going to ask about any, um, <laughs> any like cool activities or things that you're doing as a part of your practice and a part of your work that you think people should check out. Yeah. So definitely the freedom course. I think, I think for those who uh, might, 
align more with their avoidance um, is, is really good because, again, you're looking at those family life patterns and where it might be coming from um, to help you build some awareness around it. Um, another cool thing that I'm working on right now is I just started a project called Black Girls Heal, and um, it's a online community that is offering self-help tools for women, for black women to heal from unhealthy relationships and low self-esteem and trauma in a self-paced kind of coaching fashion. And, um, and it's attached to a Facebook group that has weekly exercises for folks to do as well. And so um, if anyone's interested, that um, website is called blackgirlsheal.org and it has all the links to get to the Facebook group and um, different activities that'll be posted. Very cool. So you already mentioned the blackgirlsheal.org, um, but are there other websites that we can check out for you and any social media handles that you want to share? Yeah, I'll just go ahead and give them all in order. So my website is sheenathetherapist.com, and that's Sheena with one E. And on that website, there's links to my podcast, the Love Junkie podcast. And then also um, there's different free workbooks on if you do feel like you struggle with sexually compulsive behaviors or some people call it a sex addiction. There's a free workbook for you to look at there. On Instagram, I am at SheenaTheTherapist.com. Facebook, SheenaTheTherapist. And my Twitter is SheenaTherapy. And then for Black Girls Heal, it's BlackGirlsHeal.org. And the Instagram and Facebook name are both Black Girls Heal. But if you're looking for the Facebook group, um, that title is Black Girls Heal Group. Perfect. And of course, all of this information will be included in the show notes for anybody who may be driving and can't take notes on all of that. You can find all of that information in the show notes for the episode. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today, Sheena. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Joy, for having me. This was fun. You're welcome. Thank you. Didn't Sheena share some great information that helped you to think about Nova a little deeper? If you aren't already watching, then I definitely hope you'll tune in. We're right in the middle of the two-day season three premiere, so you still have a little bit of time to catch up if you've been missing out. To check out all the amazing resources she shared, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 59. And please be sure to share your thoughts about the episode with us on social media. You can use the hashtag TBG in session, and you can also tag our accounts. You can find us on Twitter at therapy for the number four B girls. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at therapy for black girls. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, visit the therapist directory at therapy for black directory. And if you want to continue this conversation and join a community of other sisters who listen to the podcast, join us over in the Thrive Tribe at therapyforblackgirls.com tribe. Make sure that you answer the three questions it asks to gain entry. Thank y'all again for joining me this week. And I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. <laughs>